Today we're starting a brand new series, and it's so befitting that the thieves came to steal when we're starting this series. Uh, this series is called The Carefree Life, better known as The Worry-Free Life, <laughs> better known as The Anxiousness-Free Life. In other words, we cannot be anxious about anything. <laughs> amen? I said Amen. amen. Uh, before we get into the teaching, uh, in Bramfontein, great things are happening. People are getting healed. I was told a lot of people got uh, saved last this past week. And uh, some received uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it's just awesome what's happening there. And I was told uh, Sister Palesa was preaching. She preached a storm this past week. I didn't even know she was a preacher. Amen. I was surprised. I said, I thought she, she's shy, but they said, man, she preached a storm in there. Amen. We have a salvation. The salvation booklet is out. And uh, for those of you who've received Jesus Christ in the past six months and you want to go through it, please just lift your hand wherever you are and the ashes will give it to you so that you can go through it in your own spare time. It explains uh, who you are in Christ, what salvation means, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and so on and so forth. Amen. Uh, as we start this series, here are some stati- statistics for you. They say in South Africa, 60 to 90% of all doctor's visits in South Africa are stress-related. 60 to 90% of people that are sick are sick because they are anxious. They have worry and they have uh, anxiety and stress and so on and so forth. And stress is a fruit of worry and anxiety. God never intended for his children to live a stressful life. Someone shout, I am too blessed to be stressed. That's what God meant for you. God never meant for his children to live a stressful life. He said in Matthew chapter number 6 verse 25, Do not worry about what you shall eat, wherewith you shall be clothed, and where you shall sleep. Don't worry about it. And watch, he didn't say, I suggest that you don't worry. Jesus gave it as a commandment. He said, I command you not to worry. Hallelujah. And he said in um, uh, Philippians 4 verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make all your requests known unto God and... Someone say end. <laughs> the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ, in the anointing. So don't worry. No worries. In fact, when we finish service, try and get a sticker. You know those stickers that say no worry? Go and get one of those and put it in your uh, 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 bathroom and look at it every morning as you brush your teeth. No worries, man. No worries. God does not want you to worry a bit. In fact, your body will start resisting all of the worry by breaking down if you worry. Amen? The second statistic I want to give you is that every day an estimated 21 South Africans commit suicide. And according to experts, stress is the major significant contributing factor. This means that 7,585 die annually from suicide. Worry and anxiety is the enemy's number one weapon of mass destruction. This is why the Bible says he comes to steal, kill. He wants to kill you. 
and destroy you. And the way he does it is by giving you something to worry about. And watch this, you receiving it. Let me tell you, the devil gives every single person in the universe something to worry about. The difference is what you do with what he gives you. Jesus. Out of those that kill themselves, 21 every single day, there is about 10 times 200 that attempt to kill themselves but fail. 200. Every single day. People attempt to kill themselves because of stress and worry. This is why we have to teach about you living a carefree life, a worry-free life, an anxiety-free life. Because it is God's will for you not to live in worry. Just uh, two days ago, uh, last week, in fact, my wife and I went to a wedding. And before the wedding, I bought myself a pair of nice shoes uh, because it was going to be a garden wedding. And I went in there, man, and these shoes were too tight. I felt, I felt it. You know, when my wife is always telling me that uh, my shoes are too tight, let's go home. I'm, you know, I always think she's exaggerating. Man, I felt it. <laughs> Last Sunday, I mean, I, it cut my feet, and I had a wound. So on Tuesday, I went to uh, the pharmacy to try and get something for it. So I went to the pharmacy and, you know, just small chat with the pharmacist, and I said, um, this must be your quietest season uh, now that we are going into summer. You know, flu season is over. And she said to me, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You look at all these people. And I said, yes, she said they're coming to get antidepressants. And I said, about how much do you make off of antidepressants? She said, man, you don't want to know. In a year, people spend over $2 billion in the world buying antidepressants. We have the antidepressant here. Amen. Better known as the Word of God. Amen? Amen? The Word will cure all your depression. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, hallelujah. Amen. They say over 253 million prescriptions are written every single year in America alone. They say about 50 million in England. Antidepressant prescriptions. Now, <laughs> in England, there's about, what, 60 million people? If we were to give each person a prescription, everybody would be on antidepressants. Amen? Worry and anxiety is the source of all stress. And this is why it has to be defeated. First Peter chapter number 5, verse 7 says for the church, the believers, to cast all your cares unto the Lord. Why? Because God cares for you. And if you look up that word, cast, it means to forcefully thrust. It means to throw all your cares unto God. As fast as the devil gives you those cares, catch them and throw them unto God. You don't even have time to sit and analyze it and say, ooh, ooh, this worry. This worry is worthy for me to keep. Oh, because it makes sense. I actually don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Ooh, look at this worry. I'm going to keep this worry. <laughs> no, he said for you to forcefully cast all of your cares. Every single day, you need to forcefully cast all of your cares. When a care comes to you, just say, Lord, this is yours. And cast it to the Lord. Why? Because God cares for you. And He doesn't want you to carry these cares. Hallelujah. God does not want you to worry. Worry is, a, is, an, is an enemy from the devil.
to try and make the children of God ineffective. You know why? Because as you worry, you will not achieve anything. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, who among you has added to his height by worrying? And the answer was none. What, what was he trying to say? He was trying to say you benefit nothing from living a life that is full of worry. Let's quickly go to Proverbs chapter number 12, verse 25. Hallelujah. Someone shout, I will, I will. not worry. Because God is my Father and He takes care of me. The other form of worry is you actually saying to God that you don't trust Him. Because God is saying, listen, I want to take care. I can take care of you. And when you worry, you're actually in unbelief. Disbelief. In fact, the source of the source of worry is fear. Okay, all right. Moving right along. Proverbs 12, verse 25. It says, Worry or heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Give it to me in a different version. Just any other version. In an English version. I don't even know what that means. Anxiety. That's the one I was looking for. Anxiety in the heart of man causes what? Anxiety will cause you to be depressed. But a good word, what we're preaching here, isn't this not a good word? A good word, amen, what you get from the word of God. A good word will make your heart glad. So when you get worried, go into the word of God so that you can feed your heart of a good word. And your heart will be glad. Instead of being sad and depressed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. In the following weeks, we're going to be giving you 16 ways to get rid of anxiety, stress, and worry. Someone say 16. That I have no reason why we came up with 16 this time. Just 16. Number one, the first one is, when worry attacks you, pray. Go with me to James chapter number 5 verse 13. James chapter number 5, verse 13. Thank you, Jesus. If you have it, say I have it. We'll wait for you. You have it? I want you to see it in your own Bible. Those of you without Bibles, just look up. You can see it on the projector there. It says, Is any among you Afflicted. That word affliction is the English word in trouble. Is any among you in trouble? If you are in trouble, just lift your hand where you are and say, I'm, I'm right here, Pastor. Watch what it says. Is any among you in trouble? Let them get a prescription. Did he say that? Okay, let me try one more time. Is any among you in trouble? Let him go and tell his best friend. Oh, where am I reading? Let me try again. Is any among you in trouble? Let him go and get a, a, a shrink. Is that what they call them? A psychologist. Did he say that? Oh, let me try. Let me try one more time. Is any among you in trouble? Let him drink his sorrows away. 
Did he say that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me keep trying. Is any among you in trouble? Let them go for a shopping therapy. <laughs> Did he say that? <laughs> I'm trying to show you that we have come up with all these ways to get rid of our anxiety and trouble and most of them all of them <laughs> are not according to scripture. Oh, let's try one more time. Is there any among you in trouble? Let them get a massage. <laughs> Amen. It didn't say that. It said, is any among you in trouble? Let them what? Pray. Let them pray. Oh, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Because I don't know how to say those thou arts and uh, King James English. No, help is a good word for prayer. Amen. Amen. Lord, help. Amen. Amen. You've prayed. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Let them talk to God as their father. What would you say to God because of your situation? And I'm not talking about going before God to complain. I'm talking about going to God before God in faith, trusting that He cares for you. And He will take care of everything Every last one of it that seems to be putting you and uh, catching you off guarded. Hallelujah. Let them pray. Let them pray. Is any among you merry? Let them sing psalms. Paul and Silas, you remember the story? In uh, uh, Acts chapter number 16, they'd been beaten and thrown into jail. And as they were sitting in there, I mean, they had every reason to complain. They had been beaten the whole day. 39 stripes, probably. Him and Silas. Thrown into prison. For no reason. For preaching the gospel. They had every reason to complain. Hey, Paul, man. We've been trying to do the right thing. Hey, Silas. Man, I don't even understand this. I don't even understand this God, man. We're trying to preach the gospel. We're trying to do the right thing. And here we are sitting in prison. This is crazy, man. Man, we're trying to preach the gospel. Every Sunday we come at 7.30 in the morning and then someone comes and steals all of our speakers. You have all the reasons to complain. Oh, man, I'm trying. I pray all the time. I preach the gospel over there. And here I am. I'm sitting in prison. Look at how they beat me. Look at all these wounds. Look at all. Let me see your wounds. Oh, man, this one is bad. <laughs> this one is bad. Oh, look at mine. Look at this one. Man, oh, he hit me so hard. No, they didn't do that. There were reasons to complain. And I'm telling you, child of God, you might have valid reasons to complain, but that's no reason to complain. The Bible says for us to forcefully take those worries and cast them unto the Lord. Amen. And it takes violence sometimes to do it. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and it is the violent that will possess it, that will take it by force. You have to take those worries and forcefully cast them before God and say, I will not have anything to do with this worry. So I'm not trying to tell you to act like your worries aren't real. Act like your problems aren't real. No, your problems are real. Your troubles are there. But if any among you is in trouble, let them pray. The Bible says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises unto God and to pray. And the prisoners heard them. And listen to me, child of God. When the Bible says at midnight, it's got no scriptural or spiritual significance. Because people get crazy. In the we have to say this. 
He's just trying to let you know that Paul and Silas began to pray at 1 a.m. No, you must understand, brother, there is a significance. A spiritual inclination. When you pray at midnight, no, there is zero. Zero inclination. All you have to do is pray. At whatever time. In fact, the Bible says for us to pray without ceasing. Without stopping. That means pray all the time. So no midnight prayers over here. Amen? And we come up with all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you. So they began to pray at midnight. Because it was midnight when they, be- they began to pray. They didn't begin to pray at midnight because they spiritually... No, it, it so happened that they decided to start praying at midnight. And the prisoners heard them. And then the Bible says, as they were praying, God himself came from heaven. Do you know that? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. As you praise, God leaves heaven to come into your house. And how many of you know that when God comes into your house, you will fix every broken thing while he's at it. The Bible says God came and went into the prison. And God was too big for the prison. And the prison doors flung open. And there was an earthquake. And Paul and Silas, to show you that they weren't even paying attention to their trouble, the Bible says they sat in the jail. It was an incidental, accidental breakthrough. They weren't praying to God to say, Oh Lord, please deliver us. How do I know that? Because when the doors opened, they didn't walk out. They didn't run out. They just sat there and said, oh no, we're not going anywhere. We're just chilling. Let me tell you, when you start making prayer and praise a lifestyle, you'll get more of your prayers answered unintentionally than you've ever tried intentionally. Focus on God and give Him praise and you'll begin to fight your battles. That's, that's what he said to King Jehoshaphat. He said, I want you to put the praise and worshippers in the front of the army. And as they sang praises, he began to fight their battles. He told them, listen, the battle isn't even yours. And child of God, I came to tell you that this battle is not even yours. This worry is not even yours for you to carry. This anxiety is not even yours for you to carry. All you have to do is pick it up and throw it as fast as you can into the hands of God Almighty. And the Bible says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will come at you and for you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. The Bible says, uh, let's go now to Philippians chapter number 6. So point number one, you have to pray. Tell your neighbor pray. And praying is simple. It just means have fellowship with God. It just means tell him your concerns. Amen. Sometimes it's good just go before God and say, Lord, you know, they stole our speakers. What, what should I do next? And go to say, uh, uh, buy, buy, buy other ones. Yeah. And, then, and then you can go back and pray and say, Lord, I like that. How am I going to do it? And he says, I'll give you the money. Amen. 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 It's as simple as that. Just go before God. The Bible says, when the righteous call unto him, he will hear and deliver them out of all, not some. This is good stuff. Uh, Philippians chapter number 6. Chapter number 4, verse 6. Chapter number 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Be that. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious. In other versions of the Bible. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto who? Unto your friend? Unto your mother-in-law? Unto your boss? No, make all all your requests be known unto God. And what will happen if I make all my requests be known unto God? 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Watch the divine exchange there. As you give Him your prayers and your requests with thanksgiving, He gives to you the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Notice it didn't start with God giving you the peace. And then, now that you have the peace, you give Him your requests. Did you see that? Because a lot of people are saying, Lord, if you just make me feel good, if you make me feel good, I'll give you all my cares and worries and anxieties. If you just make me tickle me, do something, get an anointing or something, as you do that, I'll, I'll give you all my cares and worries. No, God is saying, give me all your cares and worries. And as you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will come and invade your life. Psalm 34 verse 1. So pray. Pray. Just pray. Amen. And keep it simple when you pray. I have a book on prayer. If you want to know how to pray, please make sure you get that book. And I think we have a teaching on prayer, 6 CD teaching on prayer at the back. They'll be able to give you that too. Watch what it says. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. Not sometimes. All times. And His praises shall continually be in my... His praises shall have to continually be in your mouth. Hallelujah. Go with me now to First Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. So we said, number one, pray. Say that after me, pray. pray. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number two, do not isolate yourself. Do not isolate yourself. Number one, pray. Number two, do not Isolate yourself. First Peter chapter number five, verse eight. First Peter chapter number five, verse eight. Thank you, Jesus. Where is my first Peter? Verse eight. Watch what it says. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil goes to and fro. This means he can't devour everybody. Amen? It means there is a certain class of people he can devour. That's why he's looking for those. And one of the tactics of the devil, this is why the Bible says for us not to forsake the assembling together as the church, as was the habit of some of the members of the church. One of the ways the devil will defeat believers is by isolating them. He wants to isolate you because he knows once he isolates you. I mean, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 4, let's go there, so that you see the power of unity, the power of having uh, someone with you when you are going through worry and stress and anxiety. Ephesians chapter number, Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. Don't get me wrong, it is vitally important for you to spend time alone with God. But God has created us for fellowship. 
I need you. You need me. Amen. We all need one another. That's why the Bible says, though we are one body, we are all members of that one body. That's why when the Bible says of spiritual gifts, it says he has given spiritual gifts into the body to profit with all. This is why the Bible, in describing the church, he says when you assemble together, when you come together, let one come with a song of praise, let another come with a prophecy, let another come with a word of knowledge, let another come with a interpretation, and so on and so forth. You know why? Because we are a team. Hallelujah. It's a misnomer when everybody is just focusing on one member of the team. To do all the scoring and to do all the working and to do all the winning of the game. That will never work. Amen? I said amen. amen. The first problem you have, those of you who are called to be pastors, might as well share this with you now before you leave. Those of you who are called to be pastors, when God eventually tells you to go out and launch a church, I had a friend who did that and they said, you know, Atufar, I'm, I'm, I'm launching a church in town and so on and so forth. This was in 2009, 2010. And the first thing they invested in for that church was a big, nice couch for themselves in the front of the church. <laughs> to make them look important and make everybody else look at them important. That's never the attitude of what Jesus Christ left for the church. This is a team sport. Amen? This is why he has given gifts to all men. He has given some to train. He has given some to be pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists for the equipping of the saints. But this is a team sport. It's a discipleship sport. As one reaches another, we'll be able to touch as many as we can in the world. Hallelujah. Pastor Trevor, you have the right to give me a call when you see me trying to look important. Every one of our leaders have the right to, say, to give me a call. Call me and say, hey, PT, I think you're going overboard now. What is this that you're doing? Because it's easy. Once you get the notoriety, the, 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 the fame, and so on and so forth, to start focusing on yourself and start trying to make yourself feel important. Paul didn't even look at himself that way. He says, I'm the least. He said, I shouldn't even be considered an apostle. Did you know that? This is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. He says, man, I shouldn't even be considered an apostle. You know why? Because I persecuted the same church. But guess what? Because of the gifting of my life, I'm going to be the least among you. I'm going to be determining in my life to make sure that every single one of you is equipped. It's a team sport. And here is one of the things that you should never, ever allow the devil to do to you, to isolate you from this group of people. The Bible says of the New Testament th church, they fellowshiped daily, breaking bread. That means having bribes, Baba. <laughs> every single day. Go and read it. They had a bribe every single day in the early church. And pray one with another, strengthening one another. You know why? Because it takes two, man. Even Jesus says, if two of you shall touch and agree on anything in the earth realm, it shall be done by my Father which is in heaven. I remember the one time, man, we were staying uh, a few kilometers from the church, and I was just feeling depressed. I'd been looking for a job for about four or five months after, you know, graduating 
uh, uh, college and I was looking for a job and I could, just could never get a job. And here I am. I don't even have bus fare. You know, I have to go now to, to church to leave this. I just wasn't feeling it, man. I was just sulking and I isolated myself. I was just sitting at home in my blanket and just, you know, having a big, nice pity party. Just, it was a nice pity party. <laughs> and I was just sitting there. I invited, you know, when you have a pity party, <laughs> you impliedly invite all the demons and all their friends. Did you know that? Every time you have a pity party, you've impliedly invited them. You didn't actively go out and say, hey, demons, I invite you to come. No. But you impliedly do it by what's happening in your spirit, in your spirit, man. Man, I invited them. I invited all the crazy demons. They came, demons of fear. And when they come, man, they don't make it better. No demon is going to come to you and give you a good word to make your heart merry, you know, like we read in Proverbs. No, they're going to just come and just give you how, how bad it can even get. Just told me, man, what if you go for 12 months without even getting a job? And I started calculating. I said, ooh, 12 months will be bad. And then the other demon will say, the other demon will come and say, what if you uh, won't even be able to get married because you're broke? And then, I mean, and I'm thinking, man, I invited all these demons to my party and they're making it miserable for me. Don't isolate yourself. Because when you isolate yourself, guess what? You invite these crazy folk and then when they come, they're not going to make it better. Be a part of the team. You know what the lion does? He prays out of a, a, a head. Head, right? It's a head of uh, buffaloes. He, he prays for the one that is isolated. The one that starts walking astray and so on and so on. And they start walking and looking at that one. <laughs> because they know you have no encouragement. Let me tell you, man. When I come in with every single one of you and, you know, after church we start talking and brother uh, Tate comes with an word of exhortation says, Pastor, you're doing a good job. I get stirred up in my spirit and I want to do it some more. You meet someone else and they say, man, how's business? And they start giving you a word of prophecy. That's what God created that for us for. Not to be isolated. See, because when you're isolated, there he will defeat you. Unless you isolate yourself for the purposes of spending time with God, which is different. A lot of people isolate themselves for the purpose. Oh man, I just broke up with that boyfriend of mine. Man, we broke up, so what am I going to do? I'm going to buy lots of chips, lots of chocolate, <laughs> lots of uh, uh, fast food. What do they call them? Junk food. And I'm just going to sit on this couch with my tissue and cry <laughs> as much as I can. No, 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 no. Get yourself the best clothes. Get yourself the best outfit. Get yourself the, the, the best credit card, one of your best ones. You know, the one with money? And go out and get yourself some nice food. And throw yourself a celebration. Always look at life from that perspective. But I have to quit because I'm out of time.